0: Greetings and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a weekly show that brings you the most interesting content in InfoSec, technology, and humans. The idea is to curate around three to five hours of weekly reading into a 15 to 30 minute summary. The goal is to have you caught up on current events, tell you about the best content from around the web, and hopefully give you something to think about as well. You can get the companion newsletter with all the show notes and links at danielmeisler.com newsletter. Alright, welcome to episode 66. This is the post-RSA episode. I did a recap of what happened at RSA, uh, at least from my perspective, and uh, I'm going to start off with that for the InfoSec news. So, my, my impressions of RSA this year, and I guess just in general going back for a few years, are things are just fine for companies that are selling products, but they're not so great for the companies that are using those products. So we keep under emphasizing fundamentals, we keep getting hacked. And I was hoping to see more companies talking about resilience as opposed to prevention, but it looks like that has not quite caught on yet. And I'm hoping that'll be seen more in future years. I uh, spent a good amount of time at the IOASIS, which is IOActive's offsite get together area. It's, uh, just right down the street from Moscone and, uh, did a bunch of talks there, uh, some panels and a bunch of interviews and customer meetings and stuff like that. Hung out with friends. It's always good at RSA to see a bunch of security, uh, people that you don't get to see, but like twice a year. Didn't spend that much time on the floor. Uh, I went for a TV interview at one point, um, and sort of walked around for like 10 minutes. And I went one time again at the very end of the close of the floor on late Thursday and saw a few things. But um, what I've been wanting to do as a project for a few years now was to just get the list of vendors because I always feel like I don't cover enough ground. So I wanted to just get a list of vendors, go down the list and have a quick one sentence summary for each one. So I decided to go ahead and do that. It's uh, quite a project, right? So I'm in the D's right now. And I've already spent like three or four hours going through the list. And I'm only just now about to get into the E's. So I'm actually reaching out to whoever wants to help to pick a letter and to, to basically continue this. And the idea would be to not have a deep understanding of the vendor because you don't have that with one sentence. You also don't have a deep understanding unless you've, you know, purchased installed or you work there or something to give you some sort of differentiating understanding of what the product does. But, um, also wouldn't want to have a bias, right? I'm I'm trying to take the bias out of, out of the sentence It's just a very simple description of what the company does. So, um, the, the whole reason for doing it is so that you don't hear a word, hear a name, and be like, what do they do? Um, and the idea is you would be able to just read this list and just kind of know where the space is um, for these hundreds of vendors, which it looks like it's gonna be a list that's hundreds, hundreds of entries long. Um, so that's a project that I'm doing as a result of it. The other thing was I did um, a talk on Thursday, it was a Thursday afternoon. It was about securing medical devices, and it was about using a system I developed called adaptive testing methodology to do that. And the talk w- went uh, well, actually, it w- went much better than I thought it would. So uh, I was excited about that. Um, RSA actually has vendor categories, which I thought were interesting, um, which I also put in this post, this capture post. And then, um, yeah, that that was pretty much that. I I think uh, it was a good year um, as far as RSA goes, but I do wish I got to spend a little more time on the floor. Um, So I'm I'm now doing this uh, capture project as kind of a proxy for that. So that was uh, the RSA recap post. Uh, You could definitely go check it out. Check out the, the list of the vendors that I'm working on which I don't know if I'm going to redo the list every single year or, or or how I'm going to do that. You can check that out on the site heading into infosec news. Uh, Yahoo is sending out another round of notifications to users saying there was an issue last year where attackers could create backdoor cookies using internally created software. Uh, To me, this creates more questions than it does for, than it does answers because, uh, What software would they have internally that creates cookies that bypass authentication? Like that is a horrible piece of software to have lying around. I don't know if they're saying that someone got a hold of it and they were using it and that's what the problem was. But it seems like the problem came earlier if when that software was created. But I feel like this is all kind of murky stuff and uh, we don't really know for sure. A U.S. company's toy called My Friend Kayla. It's a doll that can be controlled via speech recognition and over the internet through an app. Germany has classified the doll as an illegal espionage apparatus and have demanded that German stores stop selling it. This is basically more fallout from the Snowden situation. There's a new piece of Mac malware that's supposedly linked to APT 28. Uh, the Russian group that's associated with the election hacking stuff. And, uh, evidently they already make some really good malware for, for windows and Linux. Now they're doing the same for Mac, which is interesting. Google shared their zero trust network security implementation at RSA last week. This Looks to have been a really cool talk. I want to get my hands on it uh, as soon as possible. Basically, lots of companies are talking about zero trust and how their, their network requires strong understanding of the device and the user and the endpoint and good authentication before you can interact with anything. And Google has been spending the last six years working on actually implementing this and have made massive progress, evidently. IBM researcher Charles Henderson can still follow his car everywhere, even though he sold it a long time ago. This is about smart cars and how they're evidently not uh, breaking the link between previous owners and the vehicle, which is something I think is fairly well-known, but uh, this research from Charles Henderson is highlighting that. Researchers are warning that voice authentication is not good enough, and it must be combined with other authentication types. I absolutely agree with this. I think the future of authentication, which I actually put a link to in uh, today's show, it's continuous authentication. Well, I'll talk about it when we get into the ideas section. Uh, Dutch researchers have found a way to under, undermine. ASLR protection, which can make it much easier to create working exploits. So this is really big news. I wonder how how deeply they've attacked ASLR, because it's fairly trivial to to find flaws in software overflows that can get you code execution. The problem is, you don't just need to be able to inject code; you need to be able to track the flow of how the code is going to run. So um, ASLR made that extremely difficult because it would drop you in strange places and you wouldn't know where you were. Um, This research evidently is saying, it's giving kind of a you are here sort of indicator, which is going to make it much easier to go from injectable um, code to trackable code and, and usable exploit code which will ultimately, uh, depending on how severe this, this attack on ASLR is, make it much easier to generate working exploits. A subdomain belonging to Donald Trump was hacked by someone who left a pro Iraqi message. Secure2.DonaldJTrump.com was evidently compromised through a DNS configuration flaw. Those will get you. Technology news. Apple has purchased an Israeli company called real face that specializes in facial recognition. I hope they don't go only facial recognition for iPhone eight. I think it's a lot more error prone than touch ID ideas. Uh, it's just, um, I mean, there's some research out of MIT recently where you could just like barely put some things on your face, like wear a little mask, wear some glasses and trick these systems into um, thinking you were someone else or into thinking, well, yeah, thinking you're someone else. Like you you could actually emulate um, celebrities and do all kinds of stuff. It was pretty crazy. Now, obviously not all recognition systems are the same um, and cannot all be tricked in the same ways, but It just seems a lot more error prone. Not only that, but you have lighting issues. Like how are you going to do that in the dark? Um, oftentimes here's a bigger problem. Oftentimes just reaching for your phone with your thumb, with the iPhone, um, is enough to get you logged in, right? So as you are lifting it up to your face, it's already logged in and you're already working. Um, you know, you could reach and not even look at the phone and log into it and touch it and because you want that to happen, right? In this case, you must lift it to your face. And again, I I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm just saying if they were to go full steam towards this as a replacement for touch ID, um, I I think it would be an issue. I I think there should be a hybrid there. We should start adding additional factors Um, I don't think voices or or facial recognition is going to stand on its own. Google Fiber is shrinking massively because it's preparing for the new connectivity deployments that are based on mostly wireless. Basically the wired piece is getting skipped as you start moving into like 5g. um, The speeds are so incredible. And it's so much cheaper to deploy wireless than it is to deploy fiber and dig up the ground and all these sorts of things that uh, they're basically abandoning Google fiber project, not hundred percent, but largely. Uh, The cost of manufacturing carbon fiber has fallen massively and the price to consumers is about to follow. Interesting. I like carbon fiber for no other reason than I'm a nerd. All right, human news. Robots will soon do your taxes. These jobs are basically gone. Uh, Bill Gates is quite worried about bioterror, and he's uh, out on a speaking circuit about that. Uh, Some researchers are saying, we don't understand consciousness, and we don't understand quantum physics. And they're starting to say, maybe that's more than just a coincidence. And what are the similarities between these two things? That's a really interesting uh, piece, really interesting article. 26% of American adults have not read a book in the past year. I think the problem is way worse than that. Um, I think that's like the amount that admitted to it. I think the situation is more likely to be Fifty to seventy-five percent have never read a book after high school. That's my guess, but uh, I don't know. I'm definitely not uh, pew in terms of uh, measuring these things, but it's all it's all about what questions you're asking. Maybe they didn't ask the most depressing one, which was how many books you've read since graduating high school. <laughs> The extreme nerdiness of hand-drawn infographics. All right. Ideas. IOT securities train analogy. Yeah. So this one is, uh, thought I had during our say, I was doing a bunch of panels and, uh, you know, they like analogies. They like short little quips about whatever. So, um, I have an analogy I like to use for IoT security. It's basically a giant train that seats billions of people that's currently boarding. The people getting on basically read the marketing and they're super excited. IoT is evidently like Disneyland, but way better. The conductor's the free market and there's nothing stopping him from leaving the station as fast as possible. All of us in security are shouting and waving our hands frantically from the station. We saw the conductor build the train, as fast as possible, using random parts from who knows where. And we're telling people not to get on so quickly, to think about it, to reread the brochure. We're telling the conductor he's got major issues with the train and that he should not leave without having them addressed, but nobody is listening. And our punishment, like a horrified time traveler with no ability to interact with the past, is that we're about to watch this train crash, frame by frame, in slow motion, for the next 30 years. We saw the train get built, we saw the people get on, we saw it crash, but there was nothing we could do to stop it. And the pain was magnified exponentially by the fact that we knew what could have been done to prevent the tragedy. And it's just like the internet, imagine you go back to like 1995, you start streaming it to everyone about the dangers of using unauthenticated UDP for core infrastructure, nobody would listen. They would ignore you because functionality is the priority and true understanding of risk only comes from hardship. The internet would get built mostly the same as it was because suffering is part of the necessary cycle. And here we are with lots of scratches and bruises, but we're kind of okay. So it's gonna be this exact same with IoT security, but this time the scale is far greater as in trillions of connected devices, so the impact will be greater as well. So the summary I had there was what we could say for sure. One, the train is not safe. Two, the train is leaving and there's nothing we could do to stop it. Three, the train will crash. And our punishment will be to watch it crash in slow motion when we knew we could have done something to prevent it. And number four, finally, It will be okay. So let's do our best to view the future with the wise lens of the inevitable in hindsight. So that was that one. Violence and terror are not the same. This is uh, an essay I did. uh, There are a lot of people complaining that things are are terrorism when they're uh, not, in my opinion. I think that the main distinction between violence, and terror is that terror is part of a known widespread campaign. And the person doing the terror is attributing what they're doing to this thing that is known. If they're doing so in an independent way, their cause is not linked to a campaign. It's not linked to a message that is known. I mean, if they have their own private message and only two or three people know about it, that also doesn't count. I think it needs to be a well-orchestrated campaign, like the IRA. Everyone knew the IRA was attacking, you know, British interests. Um, And when people did something, it was obviously because they were a part of that campaign. That, to me, is clearly terror. Um, a lot of the Islamic terror stuff that's going on, it's very clear. They're attributing, I'm doing this for ISIS, right? I'm doing this for so-and-so. And uh, that's very clear as well. And I think a lot of the other stuff that's going on, a lot of the school violence, a lot of like loners doing crazy, horrific stuff, doesn't mean violence isn't bad. You could often do as much or more damage. But I think we should reserve the word terror to campaigns. And that that's what that essay is about. My article from 2015 on the future of authentication. This one is about basically authentication becoming, number one, continuous. Number two, multi-factor. So you're constantly... Um, your con this one I actually added later. I I haven't updated the post because I want to leave it as it was. This was written back in 2015, but I did a later one that talks about you're basically going to have lots of factors of authentication. And, uh, actually this was in the authentication chapter of the book is, is where I wrote the later version. But, um, basically you have lots of different factors. You have voice, you have like the way you walk, you have, uh, you know, facial or body recognition or whatever. Uh, You have fingerprints. You have all these different ways you can authenticate. And it's actually doing lots of them. Heartbeats, whatever. How you smell, I have no idea. But lots of different factors. They're all being combined. And at every moment, you have an auth score, which says the strength of the link between you and your device, right? Because this is the key piece here. When you're authenticating to external services, what's sending it? Your body is not sending it. Your device is sending it, right? But we don't need to authenticate your device. We need to authenticate you, right? So it needs to pass from you, your soul, pass through the device and get to the other side with a request that is authenticated. But it needs to know that it came from you and not from the device itself. Because what happens if you lose the device? What happens if someone... Snatches the device while you're authenticated and runs away and transfers, you know, all your Bitcoin or something Right. It needs to know the difference between you having the device and someone else having it so That becomes massively important in the in internet of things because you're going to be authentic uh, authenticating to things constantly at a massive pace so that um, That's that piece um so that's what the post is about um the The other piece is that you always have a score, and the score is how tightly authenticated you are to your device at any given moment so let's say let's say you authenticate, authenticated super super strongly in the morning, and uh you know your authentication score was like. whatever, an 87 out of 100, right? Really high authentication. Not the highest, but very high. And then over the course of the day, you haven't really done much authentication. You haven't done anything strong. You haven't done fingerprint. You haven't done anything like that. Um, But what you have done is you have audio streaming from around you, which is the same audio as always is around you. Um, The audio... Uh, from the voices around you is not stressed. So there's no sort of incident going on. Um, you're in the same geolocation and you are walking the same as you normally walk. So you haven't actually authenticated anything, but your off score dropped down to around 75. Now, when you walk through doors, you're just walking through the mall and certain doors open, you know, certain doors you're allowed to be in, certain doors you're not allowed to be in because you're a a trusted customer, you're a VIP or something like that, those doors just automatically open for you because they require a 66 authentication score to prove that you are who you are. But you're walking around at a 75 because you've got like 12 different factors streaming in, right? But when you go to uh, get into your car, it requires a 78, when you go to withdraw money from the bank, it requires a 92. So different tasks have different levels of requirement and different tasks and activities lower your current auth level. So if you hand your phone to your girlfriend or your parents or your boyfriend or whoever, and they walk around with it and they click a couple buttons to play a game, your off-score is now like 11 because the phone is moving in a strange way. It's being typed on in a strange way. It's a different fingerprint. Um, the motion of handing looked like the phone changed uh, changed ownership physically. So all these things sort of invalidate your score. And now you can't do anything without re-authenticating. So that's kind of the flow. It's happening all the time. It's multi-factor and you have stepped levels of auth that are required for different things. All right, next one. With machine learning, batteries are often not included. This is not my piece. This is someone else's, but a really interesting insight. It's basically um, It's basically saying that we have to watch out about saying that machine learning, oh, just flip the switch, just install this product, and it's going to work perfectly. This is a big threat, to the power of machine learning in that a lot of people are going to be like super hyped about it. They're going to go get a product or a service or whatever you get it in house. And they're like, all right, where's your perfect data in this perfect format? And they're like, well, I don't don't have that. I, I thought this was going to give it to me. No, no, you have to go get massive amounts of data. We need training data. We need to know this. We need to know that it needs to have these attributes needs to be highly massaged. It has to have a high quality, you know, benchmark of a certain level. And they're like, well, I don't have that. Well, let's do a project and let's go get all this data. Now they're now they're pissed off because they bought this product that was supposedly magic. But it turns out it requires amazing input to be super valuable. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of people could end up diving in 100%. Find out there's not much water in the pool. Hit the concrete and be like, machine learning sucks. Now they swing back the other way and say there's nothing in machine learning. This doesn't actually help us, and that sets us back because machine learning is actually awesome. But you know you got to bring your own batteries in a lot of cases. Um, we're not at the at the at the sort of uh, maturity level where everyone has amazing data that could be fed into machine learning algorithms. Um, most people don't have this type of data, and those are the batteries that you need to bring. So, interesting idea. Discovery, the Tools Watch, best security tools of 2016. Some excellent ones in there. Unbelievably great deck by Momentum Partners on big moves in the InfoSec space. I posted this one before, either last week or the week before, but um, I'm posting again because it's that awesome. Datasploit. Performs various OSINT techniques and organizes results visually into usable data. Great presentation on starting an IoT hacking, and it actually uses the IoT security project from OWASP that I lead. And uh, a cool post on combining Open Canary and DShield to produce some really cool outputs. Uh, some notes: I got my slides here from my RSA talk on securing medical devices using adaptive testing methodologies. I got my slides from the IOASIS talk on implementing honey tokens throughout the stack without a budget. And, uh, I talked about this before I'm going through the RSA vendor list and condensing each interesting technology into a single sentence. And I could use some help with alphabet letters if you want to donate one, by the way, that would mean you would go through that entire letter, like say T And just produce a one-sentence summary like you find in this uh, RSA recap post. And uh, I'm about halfway done with the Hamilton biography. And I just bought another version of the Federalist Papers as well, which I'm going to read next. Super excited about that. It's like the best dynamic debate about how to build a good government. I think that exists. Uh, Recommendations. Ensure that your backup strategy is resistant to malware. In other words, if ransomware malware can get to your backups, then you basically don't have any backups. And the aphorism for the week, by doing just a little every day, you can gradually let the task completely overwhelm you. By doing just a little every day, you can gradually let the task completely overwhelm you. And this is by an unknown author. All right. This has been episode 66. And uh, thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. All right. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget that you can get the show notes for this episode, including the links to everything mentioned in the companion newsletter at com slash newsletter. And if you like the show, please share it with a friend or on social media. I'll see you next time.